Hello, I'm Alfred. And I'm Chris. It is Thursday, and this is Why Wait Till Sunday. Probably a top five midweek college football DFS show. All right, here we are. It's week five, and we are we are cruising along. You know, I think I think we're we talked last week a little bit about getting the hang of this season. Everything every season has its own flow, um, and I am certainly excited to bring y'all another Saturday slate with my co-host here, Chris Moxie. What's going on, buddy? Not much. I feel like we've been, you know, we've been riding steady the last couple of weeks. I think we've had some good calls and a couple misses here and there, but. I think we're in a good place. I think that we're behind the scenes expanding what we're a lot of the data that we're bringing in and we're, we're really uh, improving our process a lot. So I'm excited to take on the rest of the season, starting with week five. Yep. Never too late to get on a winning streak. And uh, without further ado, let's dig, dig into some of that data you were talking about that you have been able to pull. Uh, and of course we're going to start with the main slate. Um, so Arkansas at Georgia you know, uh, I'm going to open us up here and I think this is probably not going to be a super exciting game for fantasy purposes. These are two, uh, pretty good defenses, pretty, um, I mean, Arkansas's defense is actually very good and we know Georgia's defense is extremely good. Number one, uh, defensive EPA per pass. And, and you've been talking about EPA all season. So that's expected points allowed. If you're not familiar that basically every single play that is run, there is a calculation that can be done to determine if they are basically more likely to score after that play or less likely to score after that play. Of course you want your EPA expected points added after each play to be higher. Well, the Georgia defense allows the few uh, actually allows negative epa per play or per pass so every time you drop back to pass so far this season you are in worse shape than you did before against the georgia defense which uh is pretty incredible but also arkansas is in the same boat they are uh they are allowing negative uh epa per pass as well so there's not a lot of exciting passing game going on in this matchup uh, probably honestly, not a lot of fantasy goodness. Both these defenses are very good. The over under is 48. Now Georgia is projected to score 31 points. The, the, uh, the total of Arkansas is much lower at 17.5, which is actually the lowest on the slate. So maybe you want to, I, I think this game probably goes under this total. I, I don't see Georgia putting up 31 on Arkansas. Maybe late they, you know, they start running it in, but they mix up their backfield. I just don't see a path to a lot of, um, you know, that high end fantasy potential in this matchup. Uh, Tennessee at Missouri on the flip side, I'm going to give you a fun one to talk about, Chris, give us, give us some info about Tennessee at Missouri. (laughs) Yeah, this is a fun one. I, I think both of these defenses leave some to be desired. I've talked about Missouri's defense probably for like three weeks now. As just they have the worst rushing defense in the country. I mean, they're just ranked bottom three in every key statistic. I think this is a a slate where you can just push all your chips in on Tennessee rushing, like Tennessee's rushing game. Um, you know, I'm interested from the Missouri perspective. Tennessee's pass defense is okay. They're allowing um, 
they're actually they're ranked 73rd in EPA per pass attempt. So I don't think that they're really much to write home, home about. So I think Connor Basilak is an interesting play this week. But overall, I mean, this game's total is 63. And, you know, Tennessee's favored by three. But I think this could be a really prime opportunity for a shootout. So I'm excited for, to see this game from a fantasy perspective as well as, you know, just to watch it on the SEC network. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, th- there's another game, obviously we're going to get to it, um, that is just going to be the chalkiest chalk game in history. And I think this game has a chance to be as much uh, of a shootout in terms of just points scored. And it could be a interesting pivot uh, to have players from this game um, rather than the the big one that we'll talk about. I mean, it's not even a spoiler, but I won't say it yet. Um Next is going to be Texas at TCU. And uh, uncharacteristically, Texas uh, Christian is is pretty bad on defense this year, which means this game is, is, a, is a major target. There's going to be a ton of points scored this weekend. This game is 67 over under. Texas projected for 35 points. Texas Christian for 31. Both teams projected over 30 points. That is kind of rare. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just – the definition of a shootout Texas Christians defense, absolutely atrocious. Um, one thing you've in, you've added into our, uh, you know, data set here is explosive pass rate and explosive run rate, which I really like, I believe is that, uh, passes over 20 yards and runs over 10. That's exactly what it is. Okay. So it's the percent of passing plays for the, for the pass explosive pass rate that a team gains over 20 yards and TCU is 124th in the nation, allowing a 20-yard or more pass on 43% of the uh, – is it attempts or or completed passes? No, it's it's uh, based on attempts. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost one of every two times you drop back against TCU, you're going to throw it for more than 20 yards. That is mind-blowingly bad. So – you know, Casey Thompson and certainly some of the receivers from Texas are probably in play here, but the Texas defense is not much better. Uh, they're a little better on the explosive pass rate. Just to give you an example here, the explosive pass rate allowed for the Texas defense is 21%, and they are 82nd in the country. Texas Christian is literally twice as bad, even though they're not they're ranked 124th versus 82nd but there's obviously a gap there i think as you get worse the gap gets bigger they are twice as bad as texas and texas is bad uh at allowing explosive pass plays neither one is very good against the run either the offenses are both pretty good i mean this is a pinball game and uh we'll talk about the players in a little bit next up (laughs) on the reverse end of this coin michigan at wisconsin have fun with this chris yeah i'm not going to spend too much time here this is a 43 and a half total uh you know wisconsin or michigan's favored by one currently based on uh you know what book you look at both these defenses are really really good wisconsin is ranked top two top four in basically any rushing statistic that you look at their pass defense isn't quite as good but it is in general top 30 top 40 michigan's pass defense is the same graham Mertz was horrible last week Cade McNamara isn't really much to write home about. I think this is going to be a game that it's set at 43 and a half and it could still go under that. It's going to be a close one, but it's this is a classic Big Ten game where 
I don't think there's much fantasy value to be had. So I, I won't harp on it for too long. Stay away. Uh, Louisville at wake. Uh, this is a fun one as well there. I, like I said, I mean, you might have to score 300 points in your lineup to win this week, uh, to win a tournament this week. Um, wake forest at Louisville. Uh, the over under here is 60 wake forest projected for 33 Louisville for 26 Louisville defense is terrible, especially against the run allowing 30% of the rushes, um, Attempted against them, go for over 10 yards. That's the explosive rushing rate, ranked 114th in the country. EPA allowed in the rushing game. Their pass defense is actually okay. So if Wake Forest is going to have a field day, it's probably with Christian Beal Smith. And then you've got, on the flip side of that, the Wake Forest defense, kind of in the inverse of that, not very good against the pass. They allow a lot of plays to be run um, against them kind of middle of the road actually on explosive pass allowed and uh pass yards per attempt and their defensive epa per rush is actually third in the country shockingly for wake forest so um you know i'm not sure where to attack this game uh, if you're going to and there's so many other games that have like ridiculous potential that not sure this is one where you're really going to get too excited about it if anything maybe the uh you know passing game from louisville and the running game from wake forest next would be kind of a mad game usc at colorado usc coming off a just disastrous game last week getting ram in rammed into the ground by oregon state what's new for usc over the last couple of years anyway i mean it's just it's just constantly they've they've been in trouble since really clay helped started and, yeah. and now he's gone but I think his ghost still lingers over the program a little bit. Yeah, this so this game is a 50 and a half total. I think there's a chance that it goes under as well. These are two of the slower teams in the country. USC ranks 124th in rate. Colorado ranks 94th. Both these defenses are they're okay. I mean, they both have their weak spots. I think, you know, USC's allowing 36.7 explosive rush rate, which is pretty good, which puts the Colorado rushing game in, you know, potential uh, potential, potentially in play, Jarek Broussard, Fentanyl, maybe you go deep with a shot Clayton, but the Colorado offense has just been so bad under Brandon Lewis. I thought Lewis was going to be better and more dynamic, but he, he's been quite poor. He's been he's just been, yeah, dreadful. Terrible. dreadful. Keaton, Keaton Slovis hasn't been much better. He He's just, I, I think we're still holding, some people are still holding on to what he was two years ago and, he just hasn't been that player, but he, he is at the helm and Colorado's defense is somewhat okay against the pass. They're ranked 58th in EPA per pass attempt. So I, maybe it's exploitable. I think the best plays in this game are going to be the Colorado running backs and probably looking at Drake London on the other side. Yeah. Drake London always in play with his target share and, and uh, you know, especially in PPR, he's just like going to flirt with 10 receptions every single week. Cincinnati at Notre Dame. Uh, this is a, good game from a football perspective especially if you like running and defense um but uh, from fantasy purposes i don't know uh notre dame's defense has actually been not that great at least i guess compared to last year where they were were darn good you know top five unit in the country if i remember correctly um and this year you know they're allowing a lot of plays um uh, their explosive pass rate is 15 percent that's 73rd in the country um, again, it, ju it just goes to show you how 
absolutely bad Texas Christian is. <laughs> I mean, they're like no three or four times as bad as, as Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is not good. So um, explosive pass rate, 15%. Uh, you know, explosive rush rate allowed 24%. So that, you know, they're allowing, you know, they allowed FSU to have some big plays. So their, their defense is not really excellent, but they don't allow a lot of uh, per pass plays. So EPA per pass is pretty low, uh, a top 10 unit in the country in that metric. So I don't really know what I would do with Cincy. I mean, you you could look at, you know, Ritter's always in play because he uh, basically controls the offense uh, on the ground and through the air. Um, but it's just, I don't know where all the points are going to come from if you need a high ceiling. And I think this week you've got to have a high ceiling for every single pick you have. 51 total, 26-24 is the projected uh, margin there. Cincinnati defense, granted, they don't play a power five schedule, but like they're they're a top, you know, top 10 unit, top 25 unit in the country. Uh, they're very good across the board on almost every single metric. Maybe you flirt with Kyron Williams. He's actually a good value this week, I think. But uh, again, the ceiling in this game is, is non-existent. And congratulations, Chris. I'm going to give you about 30 minutes to go over this game. You've hit the jackpot. Talk to us about Ole Miss and Alabama. Yeah, this is the game of the week. I think from a football perspective and a DFS perspective, I just I just don't think you can go wrong with this game, to be honest. This is an, a really, really exciting matchup between really two of the SEC's premier offenses. Alabama's defense, and I, I talked about this yesterday on Twitter a little bit as well, they're ranked... 68th in defensive EPA per pass attempt and 58th in deep defensive EPA per rush attempt. This is not the same Alabama defense. So they're still getting their feet under them. They always lose key pieces to the NFL. The COVID season was weird, but this is a vulnerable defense. And we saw Florida really take it to them, especially in the trenches. So I, I think that we can see a high scoring game. Obviously Vegas expects that the total is currently 80 and the spread is currently 14 and a half. Both teams are projected over 30 points. Alabama's projected over 47. Ole Miss almost at 33. This is just a beautiful matchup for, for DFS purposes. I, I think this is going to be, how do you get, the real question is not, do you play players in this game? It's really going to be, how do you get different in this game? And so I think that's some of the conversation that we have, we'll have tonight, but <laughs> this just, an 80 point total on any slate is just I mean, we haven't seen that this year yet. I don't think we've even seen 70, much less 80 yet on a slate, have we? I think we got close last week with Boise State, Utah, which was a bust. Yeah. That ended up at 69, but nice. But um, but 80? 80 is absurd. So I think, I think there's a couple different ways to play that game. And I, I think we'll go into it later, but you just, you just have to. You just have to invest in this game. Yeah, I, there's just, I mean, I guess you could do like a, a $1, you know, tournament and fade it completely and just kiss that dollar goodbye. And in the insane turn of events where we've seen this happen before, though, like you said, the Boise, uh, the Boise Utah State game went under Utah State only scored three points, I think. So it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes that happens. You could fade it. I wouldn't put a lot of money on fading this game, but maybe you do a, a 25 cent or a, like a $1 thing and just fade it completely. Um, Oregon at Stanford, eh, not a lot of excitement. I mean, Oregon is a good offense, but like they just don't have any dominant singular players. 
Um, and Stanford's defense, pretty good against the pass. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful against the run. Um, uh, and then Stanford's just not really much to write home about there. And Oregon looks like they can be had um, on the ground. Pretty good through the air. Um, and without Thibodeau, is he still out? I mean, they can't rush the passer nearly as well. So I think that uh, is a big deal for Oregon. But they're number three in the country. And, you know, they're, they've are got their sights set on the, the playoff already. Um, we'll speed it up through the last three. Texas Tech, West Virginia, anything, anything there, Chris? 56 and a half total. I think both these defenses are vulnerable. I expected West Virginia to be better. They're not quite as good as I think they thought they were coming in. Their DB unit was supposed to be very good. Currently, they're ranked 71st in defense VPA per pass attempt. I think that opens up a lot of uh, opportunity for Texas Tech passing game. Even if Tyler Shuck is out, Columbia came in and looked pretty good last week. So I think that's interesting. On the other side of this game, I do think Texas Tech is vulnerable in a couple different areas. They're allowing good explosive pass rate. I think that, you know, Jared Dogie isn't exactly an explosive passer, but I do think that a guy like Letty Brown could be involved in both phases and really make his mark on, on the game. So it's an interesting game, but it's not my favorite on the slate. We, we have set, we have 80 point totals that we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's games that normally we'd be interested in that we just kind of can't mess around with this week. And one of them I think is Oklahoma, Kansas state, like, Man, Oklahoma, you know, uh, disappointing is an understatement, even though they are undefeated. Uh, and this game has a 52-point total. Oklahoma is projected for over 30. Uh, Kansas State only 20. Um, and Kansas State can be had through the air. Um, you know, down near ranked 100 in opponents' yards per pass attempt, explosive pass rate, EPA per pass, and stout against the run. But Oklahoma doesn't give a crap about running the ball anyway, so they're just going to throw it, you know, maybe 40 to 50 times this game. Uh, so Rattler's interesting, you know, I guess because the volume should be there, but, man, his stats have not been there. Um I don't know if you can afford it and uh, we'll just, we'll see where his price point lands. Kansas state, not interested in anybody. Their offense is kind of crappy. Uh, and this isn't the week to play Deuce Vaughn. Who's the only guy you'd really care about on that offense anyway. Uh, although Oklahoma's run defense is terrible, but I just, I don't think, I don't think we can mess with that this week and take us home with Ohio state at Rutgers. What a dud to end on. Yeah. So this game, this game is interesting because Rutgers actually put up a fight against Michigan. They covered fairly yeah, they easily. Did. Yeah, they, they covered fairly easily last week. Um, my Scarlet Knights, even though I took Michigan. I think that this is going to be a struggle for the Ohio State offense. You know, Greg Shiana coach teams always play super hard. They get up for this kind of game. That's the kind of coach he is. So I, I think that they're going to struggle. It sounds like CJ Stroud is back this week. I I think Rutgers. <laughs> not really. I mean, I, Ohio State will be fine. Their receivers will be fine. Trayvon Henderson will be fine. I mean, everybody on the Ohio State offense should be okay. They're 15 point favorite, 15 and a half point favorites. So th they'll be good. But Rutgers did limit Michigan to 20 points. Michigan had been scoring fairly well. So I think this is a cap ceiling game, even if the total is 56 and a half. Yeah, not not too interested in that either. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to be too reductive, but like you just, you do Ole Miss, Alabama, you do probably some Texas TCU, Tennessee, Missouri, and then sprinkle in a couple of other guys. Um, if you really, 
you know, you probably can't afford to be too different than including those games. All right. So now let's talk about the players as we like to do, starting with quarterbacks. You know, there's um, <clears throat> there's three big names, and the two biggest obviously are in the game that we've been salivating about. Let's cut to the chase. Bryce Young comes in at 10K, Matt Corral at 9,200. Now, Matt Corral being the third most expensive quarterback on this slate makes no sense to me. Uh, you know, he's coming off a 50 burger, almost a 60 burger. He, um, he hit, uh, shoot. Well, I think he, he had like 59 points last game. Yep. Um, you know, but he's averaging 42 per, uh, points per home game. Uh, this is at Bama, but you know, he's just, he's been, he runs the ball. He just does it all. He's incredible. For, you know, I, he should be right next to Bryce Young at 10K. So I do think there's a little discount there at 9,200. Uh, he worked Bama last year. I'm not really worried about the Bama defense. No, I, I'm not either. I, you know what, what I, what I talked about earlier, right? They're outside the top 50 in both EPA per rush and EPA per pass. This is just not a, a very solid Bama defense right now. They're okay. They have the talent to get better, but sure. right now they just don't have the, cohesion to, to pull it off so i think i think you're spot on i think matt corral 800 cheaper than bryce young is a just like a fantastic value like at the high end it's hard to do worse than than him at that discount yeah and i mean you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk you out of bryce young he is 10k that might be cost prohibitive um i don't know i mean you know it, it may be a pay up to be contrarian type situation but it seems just unnecessary when you have matt corral and of course you have malik cunningham who's i think scored over 30 points in every single game this year averaging 33 um and going up against the wake forest defense that is okay but like i'm not i'm not worried about the wake forest defense um you know do you, i guess you know let's just the, the quarterbacks are obvious here. Like Corral and Young, if you're not going to do that, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to do Cunningham? Are you going to go real low? Are you going to play one from the Bama Ole Miss game? I mean, this slate is so interesting because we we got to talk about the elephant in the room, and it's like Bama Ole Miss. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think you can stack this game with both sides and just say, listen, I'm playing Young, I'm playing Corral, and I'll get different at the receiving options. And then I'll get different somewhere else, right? To, to so a lot of our conversation, and, and I'll I'll start with this: is that the way that we talk? I think through the slate mostly is geared towards GPPs more than it is cash. And so, to win a GPP, you need to be different somewhere. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need to be entirely contrarian through your lineup, but you need to figure out ways to be different within that structure. So, playing Corral and Young is fine, and I I'm all for it. I think you this is a week to consider paying up at quarterback, at least for one of the at minimum, one of the options, but get different elsewhere, which I think is a totally reasonable strategy. So I, I'm willing to get different at another quarterback if I'm playing corral, but I think corral is going to come in at much higher roster ship than young is. So I'm not yeah. afraid to pay up for young either. Cause I, I think the corral is going to be a lot more, at least five to 10% more popular than young is. And I think I think having both might be contrarian. I mean, I, I'm not sure a lot of people are going to feel comfortable because you're going to have to go like 4K for a lot of guys if you go both Corral and Young, and people may not be comfortable with that. So I think going both of them uh, and filling in the rest of your roster could be interesting. Um, 
I mean, those guys go without saying. Uh, you also have Cunningham. He's a fine choice. It's just if I'm going to pay that number, I think I'm going to take a guy from the game we just talked about. Like, I don't think I'm going to pay the second most expensive price for a guy who's not even in that game. So the, the argument that I, that I will – I'll play devil's advocate here is if Cunningham's coming in 10%, 15% with lower roster ship than Corral is – I really don't mind playing Cunningham because I think Cunningham and Corral probably score a similar amount of points. 30, yeah. So I'm, I'm fine going Young and Corral or maybe even Corral and Cunningham. I, I think that, that that's possible as well. I do think Corral is going to be the highest rostered quarterback on a slate. So I'm totally cool with playing Cunningham because I think Cunningham's just going to eat this week. He, like he's done all season. I, I He's just on fire and I, I'm not ready to – put him out yet. And I do think playing a BAM quarterback and Cunningham is a viable strategy, but that is extremely cost prohibitive. So I mean, I guess I think Corral has the highest ceiling, uh, yes, like 40, 40 plus. I, I actually don't know if young has a uh, 50, you know, 40 to 50 point ceiling just because they will run some. I mean, they're, I mean, with, with Ole Miss there, it, it just all goes through Corral with, Alabama, they they will stick to some semblance of a running game. Um, and then you've got, you know, Cunningham, like you said, is the entire offense. He's got 40 in him. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, Bryce Young being 10K just kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, so I agree he shouldn't probably be super popular. Um, okay. And that's we can't just beat that to death enough. You got Max Dugan versus Texas. I don't think that's who i want from tcu he's also not a discount in any way shape or form uh spencer rattler 8800 man he's just been so blah but i mean he'll come in at five percent or three percent on this slate and i mean we know he's got 330 and four touchdowns in his bag yeah i i'm really not touching any of the 8k quarterbacks yeah i mean thompson versus tcu we just said how horrific (laughs) tcu's past defense is that's which it is thompson just did a 43 point performance throwing for i think five touchdowns maybe against uh texas tech so i think he'll be i think he'll be popular as well because he's priced down on the slate but again i just think you can get I just think you get better values outside of that range. I don't really want to touch Thompson. I think there are better plays in this that game in general, um, whether it's the, in the running game or just playing a wide receiver in a one-off. I'm just not sure Thompson's the guy I want in that line that I like in a lineup this week. I I don't think he's particularly great quarterback, and so yeah, I, I just I don't think so either. I'm a little scared to play him, even though the matchup is fantastic. I'd rather settle for somebody that I know is histor- a good historical producer or, or or who I think is a good quarterback. Well, yeah, and, I mean, given that offense, like, it could just be Bijan week. I mean, Bijan could go for five touchdowns. Like, the way that offense is going, I don't think you're a guarantee that it's going to all run through Thompson. So They're not going to score 70. Johnson week like it was freaking last week. Yeah, they're not going to score 70 again. Right. Like, so, let's put that out of the equation. And he's not really a runner. So this is a cap ceiling, I think, which is DCU. So who actually knows? I'm a little worried about Thompson this week at his price point. If he was cheaper, I'd be a lot more interested. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, so dipping under 8K, we got Desmond Ritter at 7,500. I like him just because he's like pretty much the offense. I mean, Jerome Ford gets some, but but it just everything runs through Ritter. Uh, and Bazelak, uh, who's a big, you know, uh, uh, we are a, a Bazelak stand podcast here. 7,300. We've already talked about that Tennessee game. Uh, Hendon Hooker, you've mentioned to me, he's only 6,800. He does run. He gets this Missouri defense, which cannot stop anybody. Uh, but he's questionable. So keep keep an ear to the ground. Uh, I don't think their other quarterback is going to play. So, like, if it's neither of them, then you're talking about Harrison Bailey. I don't know what that means. So we need Hooker to be ready to go. Uh, the latest update is that he – it's it's unclear. Uh, we haven't gotten a lot of information. He left last week's game with an undisclosed inner injury. Thank you, college football, for being completely opaque with injuries. Um and then another guy I know you like to talk about is Tanner McKee, all the way down at 6,500. He obviously allows you to do a whole lot of things. So between Ritter, Basilak, Hooker, and McKee, what, how do you rank them? So in terms of price adjustment, I think McKee is the best play. And I... I, I I, McKee and Bazelock are like one and two, and they're really, really close for me. So I want to talk about McKee first because he is a true salary savings. He's $3,000 cheaper than Malik Cunningham. He's doing math in my head, $2,700 cheaper than um, Corral. He's $3,500 cheaper than Bryce Young, right? But he's been really good since taking over as the starter. He has 25.2 fantasy points for Stanford. They're seven point underdog. But he should really see a lot of pass attempts given that Stanford has 53% pass rate. And USC currently ranks 83rd in terms of pass attempt on, like, the EPA per pass attempt on defense. He's cheap. And yeah. I really, really am interested in him this week. I, I think he's a very, very way, very good way to save money. And I think he has potential 4 to 5x upside. And you can't say that a lot of, about a lot of quarterbacks on the slate. Wow, I really you like think he could push 30 points. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I really like McKee this week. The, yeah, they're probably going to have to score. Yeah, they, I, I think they will. So uh, Bazelak, who is, I think, very close to McKee. I really like Bazelak last week. He didn't quite pay off. But I do think he's going to have a solid week this week. The game spread is 63 points. Missouri's a slight underdog here. I think he's going to be good again this week. I, I think the, the defense... Uh, Tennessee's defense ranks 73rd in EPA per pass attempt. Missouri ranks near the top of the country with a 58.3% neutral game pass rate. I just think he's going to be super solid this week. And I, I think that there are pieces around him to make him um, a productive quarterback. So at 7,300, again, a discount. And then if Hooker plays, he's been extremely productive in, in the absence of, um, in the absence of Joe Milton. So I'm actually, okay stacking Basilak and Hooker in like a couple lineups as well because I think that that's a way to pay up for other positions and I think both are going to be fairly fairly soft yeah this week in terms of defense so I, I'm quite interested in all three of those quarterbacks yeah no I I agree and I think Hooker's Hooker's real interesting because he, he'll legitimately give you you know 50 potential on the ground yep. um where those other guys won't necessarily give you that so yeah, uh, there are some good cheap options uh, under 7K even uh, and low under 75 and under 7. So uh, 
you know, let's get to running backs. Bijan Robinson last week, an egregious 7,200. I think it was, he was his usual awesome self. He's now uh, week to week. He has now increased from 7,200 and scored 30 points to being uh, 8,700. A tremendous increase in price. I still think he's probably worth it. Um, you know, we've seen nine, ten thousand dollar running backs on a slate before, so he's still not that high, even being the RB one. How can you fit Bijan and all these other guys? I it really depends on your build, to be honest. But I do think Bijan is like probably the best running back play on the slate. If we're not adjusting for price, I think he's the potential to be the highest scoring. I think he has the potential to be the highest scoring performer, including quarterbacks this week. I think that he gets that Horn Frogs defense that like that's allowing a 24.8% explosive rush rate. They're ranking 118th in defense BPA per rush attempt. He has six 100 yard performances over his last eight games. I mean, there's nothing I could say bad about Bijan. And the only reason that I don't think he's priced higher into the 9K range is because Roshan Johnson stole like three touchdowns or two touchdowns from him last week. I don't know Bijan why had, they do that. Yes. Bijan had a big run to set them up like 20 or 30 yards each time. And they pulled him off just to get a breather. And then Johnson stole the touchdown. So I think he is still $800 cheaper than what he should be. So I, I mean, I just, I love Bijan. I love everything about Bijan this week. Hard not to hard not to. Um, you know, then we have Tyler Batty, who's kind of become a very interesting player for Missouri this year. Uh, you know, he, he's a workhorse. He's getting 20, 20 in, in all their games against FBS opponents. He's gotten 23 or more touches and he's, he's got 20 balls in four games. I think it is 10 in one particular game. So he's got what you want in a PPR it's Tennessee. I mean, you gotta like Batty. The question is, is he in a weird price point where he's not a lot of savings? And if you're gonna spend that money, do you just want to go all the way to Bijan Robinson? But certainly worth considering, and he's got tremendous PPR upside. Yeah, no, I I, I like him this week. He's averaging twenty six point one weighted opportunities, which is attempts plus targets times one point five because targets are more valuable than uh, attempts are, and receptions are more valuable. So it, it's a slight discount on um, attempts and then weighted targets heavier. I mean, Beatty's just, he's ridiculous. He's in, just involved in every aspect of the game. There's slight dogs this week, and that might actually be better because he's just so involved in the passing game. He's at 6.3 targets per game. I like him and Bijan both a lot this week. I think there's a better chance that Bijan hits a higher ceiling just given – I think this is a slightly more difficult matchup for Beatty, even though he's heavily involved in the passing game. So I do prefer him at, at that price. But I do think if you want to play him, I'm not going to tell you not to. Well, and Beatty, the other thing with Beatty is he hasn't hit 100 yards yet this game uh, this season. So, you know, he had uh, – I'm sorry. He did hit 200 yards against Central Michigan. But then against SEC teams, UK, uh, Kentucky 61, but he caught 10 passes, which saved his day. Uh, but he was only 49 K back then. And then against Boston college, 18 for 72, he did get in the end zone twice, but five for 34 on the ground uh, through the air. And again, he was only 6,900. If he doesn't score two touchdowns, 
he could be, I mean, he could flop. Uh, he, he has a much bigger flop potential, I think, than Bijan Robinson. So I'm probably not going to play a lot of Beatty. He's not a savings and he's a little more risky than I'm, I really want to take on. I can't believe how high Blake Corum is 7,600 third most expensive running backs, Wisconsin hard pass for you. Yeah, hard pass. Hard pass. He got yeah. shut down by Rutgers last week, and if he thought Rutgers was hard, it was Wisconsin's just another beast. Well, and he doesn't even catch a lot of passes, so like you're no. banking on mostly running. Uh, he's scored three touchdowns against Washington and Northern Illinois, but you know he can easily be at 15 points or less, I think, uh, in his matchup. Yeah, and and the thing with him is that he was cheaper last week, got Rutgers, got shut down by Rutgers, and is now is priced up. I don't really understand the. The against a really good defense. algorithm that went into that. Yeah, I he's just not playing for me this week. No, he can't be. Zach Evans, we are big fans of Zach Evans. He has blown up since his kind of weird, um, you know, suspension against, uh, I think it was Duquesne. But against Cal, had 22 carries for 190. He then had 15 for 113 against SMU. Three receptions for 70 yards and a score. So heavily involved in all phases he scored 30 points in back-to-back weeks and now he gets texas that isn't very good um and he's a he's a pretty nice discount i mean 7400 for a guy who just scored 30 in back-to-back weeks um he's got that explosive long play to where he's the kind of guy where one play can be a 75 yard touchdown at any given moment um i really like zach evans i'd love to play him this week um you know, again, it, it's going to come down to there's a lot of really good plays. I think Zach Evans is a good. He's got the 30 point ceiling you're hoping for with Bijan um, at a pretty steep discount. So I think Zach Evans has the ceiling to make it worth going 74K on him. 7,400. Yep, I agree with that. The only thing I'll add is that Texas ranks uh, bottom 30 in both explosive run rate allowed and uh, yards per rush attempt. So this is a very good matchup and the spread is close enough where I think Evans will be heavily involved. Well, yeah. And he catches passes either way, but yep. Uh, okay. We talked about Deuce Vaughn, CJ Verdell. I think you highlighted CJ Verdell in your article. Tell us a little about him. He comes in at seven K on first glance. I'm probably not interested. Yeah. So I, I actually like him and Travis die this week. Stanford is bottom 25 in explosive rush rate and their bottom 10 in EPA per rush attempt. So I just think this is a phenomenal matchup for both, um, for both running backs. Uh, he's averaging 50% of the team's rush attempts, 18 weighted opportunities per game thus far. That's enough to pay off at, at his, at his price point, which is a flat seven K Oregon likes to run the ball. I, I really like Verdell's opportunity this week to smash that price point. And I think he's absolutely in play at 7K if you want to get different, because I don't think he's going to be super popular given the other high-end running back options. So I, I like Verdell a lot, and I like I like Travis Dye. I like the entire Oregon rushing game this week. Yeah. Well, Dye, I think, is a decent play at a, at a bigger discount. Um, Letty Brown, we're big fans of Letty Brown here. Um, the Texas Tech run defense is not too impressive uh, your know, EPA per uh, EPA per rush is 83rd uh, worst in the country. Um, they're okay. Kind of explosive rush rate. 
they're just they're kind of middling. So I think Letty Brown's interesting at 6900. You know, he's still a guy you can almost lock and load 23 touches. You know, for 6900, he does have. You know, he he scored a 75 yarder the other week, so he does have long speed. I wouldn't classify him as like a truly explosive back. He also catches three to four passes a game, so. I do like Letty Brown. Um, I just I think I'm gonna like do Bijan or Zach Evans or go real cheap. So these kind of middle guys maybe is a way to be different, but I don't I'm not gonna find myself like being too excited. You've got Jerome Ford, who gets a good matchup against Notre Dame, but does not catch any passes. Trevion Henderson, what are your thoughts on Henderson? I mean, he's a he's an elite talent, but as a DFS play. Yeah, I don't think this is the week for him. I think Rutgers showed that they could shut down the run last week. With I don't think either Corum or uh, Hassan Haskins averaged over four yards carry. Uh, I think Rutgers is just good defense, so I'm not really playing Henderson this week. I just think there are better options. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the case. And I still am not 100% sure if they're going to give him like 20-plus touches every single week. I mean, he has had that before, but I kind of think they, they could still work in two or three running backs. Um, okay, let's talk about the Tennessee backfield. You've got Tyon Evans, who I guess is kind of the lead, but they definitely split almost 50-50 with Jabari Small. Isn't that right? Yeah, they actually, I think they split opportunities last week, 50-50 right down the middle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Evans... Uh, we've we've you know you have uh, beat the drum for the Missouri run defense. It is bad, 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 bad. Um, you know you've got Evans at sixty two hundred, but if you can tell me at forty four hundred, Jabari Small is going to be a guy that's going to get the similar workload. I think you can find him in the bargain bin. So I know you really like Small. Here's your time. Go for it. I love both options this week. I expect Small to be fairly popular, which is fine. He's averaging 14.8 weighted opportunities per game. The Missouri run defense is bottom three in the country, and that includes some really, really bad teams. They are awful, just truly awful. I and I, I've said this to Alfred, I've said this a couple times. I think the there's a chance that the winning tournament lineup for this week. Features both Jabari Small and Tyon Evans. And Small at 4400 is an $1,800 discount on Tyon Evans. And while I expect him to be popular, I'm still okay rostering both. And I think that's a really interesting way to get different. And Jabari Small at 4400 is the way to get savings on this slate in a lot of places where we want to pay up for different values. Yeah, I love Jabari Small, 4,400. He will be in so many of my lineups. And I guess if you're going to roster both, I mean, are you thinking they both go for 102? I guess they don't have to at the cost. Yeah, Jabari, right. they, can they, they really get to 100? Yeah, they could. Yeah. I think I, I, yeah, I, mean, I don't think possible. that's unreasonable. I, I don't know. So teams are averaging 270 yards per game against Missouri. Yeah, it's a lot. It's very, very bad. And it's not like they've played some like world beater teams, right? They allowed Boston College to run all over them last week. They allowed Southeastern, I think it's Southeastern Missouri to run all over them for like 270 yards. (laughs) 
their run defense is so I mean, bad. I don't know what it is. Scheme, talent, both. I mean, it's it's it, it takes some work to be that bad, to be honest with you. But It really does. I, I don't know what's going on with, with that team because I actually thought it was going to be – I mean, I didn't think it was going to be very good. I, I know their secondary is a lot better, but I thought it would be a little bit better than that bottom – three in the country yeah. and that that's what they've been they've just been brutal and i you can play both players and you can play them both in the same lineup i i think that is a way to get different on a very difficult slate yeah. to get different on yeah 100 i think that's a great uh thought and i i blew it i spend all this time making these graphics every week zach evans is the smash of the week uh kind of already laid out why just wanted to be able to use the graphic there so uh there he is, 7,400. I will definitely be playing some Zach Evans. Um, okay. Christian Beal Smith against a, a bad Louisville run defense. He's 6,000. That's pretty nice. And then uh, I wanted to highlight Nathaniel Pete, 5,500. Uh, he's got long speed. He has breaks off some big ones. And there's a chance if Austin Jones doesn't go, I kind of like him against Oregon getting the majority of the touches uh, last week. He got 13 attempts and four receptions uh, in the absence of Austin Jones against a very good UCLA defense. So, you know, I think if you can say flirt with 20 touches for 5,500 and he's got big playability, I'm interested again as a way to be different. Yeah, I don't hate that. I think that's a, that's a, if we're getting an injury discount, that's really nice. All right. Um, I guess uh, any any other running backs you want to highlight? I know you already did Travis Die. He's down here, uh, nice and cheap, and then um, he's at fifty three hundred. Jabari Small forty four. I mean, you can't get much cheaper than that. Anybody else? Uh, no, those are my my favorite two in the sub like five five range. I think Jabari Small. I if I had to guess who the highest rostered running back this week is, I would say Jabari Small. He is. He comes in and in my model is the top play on the slate in terms of price adjustment. So there is risk there. I think Travis Dye is an interesting alternative. He has nine hundred more. So I, I'm going to play a lot of Jabari Small because I think that he's just going to be extremely productive this week. But it is coming with a lot of risk of you're just eating the chalk. Just that's that is a a fair warning. Yeah. Here's one way to be different. A guy that I actually slid into one of my mock lineups that I drew up uh, earlier today. That's Henry Parrish for Ole Miss. Um, he's a true sophomore and he's actually getting about the same amount of opportunities. They kind of split this backfield three ways, but he's only seen six less opportunities than Ely. Uh, and that's six less rushes. He's They've got the exact same amount of receptions, six each. Um, they have the same amount of touchdowns, one each. Snoop Connor's kind of their hammer near the goal line, um, but he does not really catch passes. But I think Henry Parrish at 4,300 in this game is certainly someone that I, I think you could get a piece of this action without having to spend too much. He's a running back, so you can get a cheap running back, 4,300. He's even less than Jabari Small. And, you know, I think two to three receptions is in play for him as well. Um, you know, He's way less than Jerry Neely, and and they're about the same in terms of opportunity. So, you know, I think that's interesting. And he kind of came up for me as a guy that, you know, for cost savings, I might throw in there just to get a piece of that game. Just one more piece at a reasonable price. 
All right, so let's move on to wide receivers, Chris. We've already touched on Drake London. He is by far and away the most expensive, 8,500. The next closest guy is only 7,700. I think it's warranted. Um, do you have any numbers on his like targets? I mean, I know he's just obscene. He's got double-digit receptions in three out of four games. Yeah, he's, he's averaging 3.8 targets per game and 31 over his last two. Uh, he's just he's just a man. Like, I, I just think you can play him again this week and just be fine. He's averaging 30 DraftKings points per game. Colorado's defense is not particularly good. I don't really care about how Keaton Slips is playing because he's locked in on Drake London. I you can play him. You can just yeah, I mean, man, if you have this, if you have the, if you have the space to do so, you're not going to go wrong with Drake London this week. And I guarantee you, he's not going to be very highly rostered because probably not ice point and it's not a fun game it's not an exciting game it's not a game with a massive total the way some of these other ones are so you know it's a way to get different that's for sure um and different without being risky because he's like he's different but he's absolute stud um let's just talk about all the receivers let's just lump them all together you've got jameson williams for bama long deep threat drummond who's kind of inherited the uh eli more role at ole miss You've got Mechie. You've got um, Mingo. I mean, these are like four receivers in the same game are like top top 10, top 15 salaries on the slate. Yeah, so so I am off Jamison Williams. I'm on John Mechie. Williams is just a guy who relies on the big plays. And you they will be there this week. So I think he's going to be fine if you want to plug him in. Like, I, I, I'm not saying don't. Mechie's just averaging 7.3 targets. Williams is only averaging 5.5. Mechie has 16 targets over the last two games. Williams has 10. I just think you're getting a discount for $600 that you can spend elsewhere. I I, I think that Mechie's going to be heavily involved in the game plan as well this week. I'm not really worried about him. As for Drummond, (laughs) he's just been phenomenal. He's accounting for a 25.9% target share. He's one of the more expensive you know, receivers in the slate. I'm not particularly worried about it, to be honest. I think that he's fine. I also think John Domingo, who, who you brought up, another super interesting option. He's $1,400 cheaper than Drummond, and he is averaging eight targets per game, and he's matched Drummond's target share in the last their last game, which I think is fairly interesting. He's, a, he's averaging nine full draft games points fewer than Drummond, but he's also averaging 8.1 unrealized fantasy points per contest. So unrealized fantasy points, we kind of talked about about it a little bit last week. How it, how, how I calculate that is based on the number of targets the players have, the uh, average depth of their target, and then I take into account the yards after catch that they've accrued, how many targets they've accrued, any touchdowns they've, they've scored, uh, the receptions that they've had compared to their targets. And so it, it – all comes together in, in terms of an unrealized fantasy points calculation, which does not take into account touchdowns. It just says, here's how many points you should have scored based on the number of receptions that you should have had and the yards you should have had. So it, it takes the randomness of touchdowns away to try to provide a true number to kind of latch onto in terms of opportunity. So Mingo is a guy that I think is underperforming what his opportunity is. And I think that he could smash this week. At 6,100, I think he's a really nice option off of Drummond and the same way that Mechie is a nice option option off of James Williams. Yeah, um, that's a great rundown. I'm not even going to add anything. 
just to stick with the theme of the game, I mean, there are guys further down the line to get, I mean, I think we need to do a thorough analysis of this game. We got a bargain bin guy and Jaleel Billingsley. You brought him to my attention. Uh, he had certainly, so he's like a tight end wide receiver hybrid. He's only 3,600. So to get a guy uh, who could be featured at all in this game for 3,600 is really something we have to consider. Uh, I think it was a great find. He's a tight end. He was in the doghouse, but now he's not in the doghouse, I don't think. So what do you, I mean, is he, what, yeah. Well, I mean, give me, give me your th- take here. Like, is he trustworthy? So he has seven targets over the last two games and they haven't had to throw a whole lot. So I think that's still fairly solid. Bryce Young really likes to check it down too. His dot is like 8.5 or 8.4. So he doesn't have a high depth of target and he relied on Latu early in the season. Now Jaleel Billingsley is his guy. And I think Billingsley is like a good player. I, I think he's fine. He's a little slight for a tight end at the NFL level, but he's still a good college tight end. Oh yeah. He's running the third most routes on the team also over the last two weeks, which I think is fairly interesting. This game is going to be a shootout. 3,600 locked me in on Billingsley. I think that he is the best salary saving option to get into this massive total. Yeah. Definitely have no problems with Billingsley. I thought that was a, a pretty good uh, call by you when you were when we were texting about it earlier in the week. Um, there's other guys I'm just looking in this game. I mean, uh, San, Braylon Sanders for Ole Miss. He was kind of thought to be a guy, but it's really Drummond and I guess Mingo. But at 4,800, you know, would you want – is he the three, I guess, right now? I mean, he – he caught four receptions last game, four for 74 and a touchdown. Um, other than that, two for 25 and two for 34. So not super exciting there. Thoughts? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. He's just a little pricier than I wanted. I just think there's better options like Billingsley to get into this game. Yeah. And I'd rather pay it for Mingo at 6,100. Like that's kind of, that's kind of where, where it lies with him. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right, so other receivers, I mean, you know, that game is just so chock full. I think we have to talk about Xavier Worthy for Texas, given how awful Texas Christian's expl- – I mean, he's an explosive player. Texas Christian allows explosive plays. You know, maybe you don't play Thompson because we kind of ruled him out earlier, but Xavier Worthy, a, a true freshman, like, breaking out in a big, big way. Uh, you know, jack him up your Devi boards, dynasty boards, C2C boards, all that good stuff. And also are you going to play him this week? I think you can. I, I think they, they play defense that ranks bottom 10 in EPA per pass attempt and pass yards per attempt. I don't see why not. We 43% explosive pass rate. I, I'm not in the Casey Thompson because I think this is a, mostly a Bijan week, but that doesn't mean the Casey Thompson isn't going to have like 250 and two and 120 of that right 250 might go to Xavier Worthy, who has 14 targets in his last two games. Now he's, he's the alpha there. I 6200 is not a bad price given the defense. He's also probably going to be very popular. Um, people will perceive a discount there coming off a three touchdown game, you know. And we're not the only people in the world that know about this explosive pass rate, so I think he's gonna be pretty popular. Um You've got both Ohio State guys. Hard to go wrong there. It's been a couple weeks, I feel like, since Ohio State was on the slate. Maybe it's only been one or two weeks, but it feels like it's been a while. 
we always want Garrett Wilson if he's priced under Olave. I mean, it's as simple as that. What, like, it makes what, is, go- what is going on here? I still don't get it. Yeah. Like, he's a 31% target share. He has 9.8 targets per game. He's got 14 over his last two. Yeah. The matchup is fine this week. I'd much rather play Garrett Wilson over Alave once again. Just I just don't I just don't get it. I, I don't know. Yeah, and um I don't want Quinton Johnson. The past, you know, volume just isn't there. He's a good NFL prospect, but as far as DFS is concerned, he had two touchdowns against Cal. Still didn't get over hundred yards, though. Uh, yeah, I mean I just I I can't do it there. Bowers tight end for Georgia. I'm not paying 6,400 for a, a true freshman tight end. I don't care how good he is, uh, especially in that game. Azukanma, Texas Tech. He's been very good, but not against West Virginia at West Virginia. Not interested there. You know, kind of gets like the high end is very exciting. And then it just draw like, I don't want any of these guys. A.T. Perry, I'd rather take roberson for a big discount all the way down to 5200 so that's actually intriguing uh, against the louisville defense which i don't think is very good against the pass no i i like roberson as well this week he's leading 5.8 unrealized fantasy points on the table per game he's still averaging six targets per game he's still leading the team in target share at perry's actually been a very solid option he, he's looked good He's played well, so I, I do think that he's a legit part of that offense. This game also has a, a total set in the low 60s. This thing is 60 and a half. I, Roberson at 5'2", I think that's a really nice price for him. I, I think that he might be popular because of that, but I, I'm, I'm still in on him. And I, I want to go back to Ezekonma real quick because I think I like Ezekonma a little bit because he has um, 9.7 unrealized fantasy points per game. I think his ceiling is much higher than we're seeing currently. 16 targets over the last two games, nine targets per game in the season. I think Columbia looked pretty good last week. I don't think this is the worst matchup given what we've seen for the West Virginia secondary this, this so far, at least so far this year. I, I kind of like as a a little bit, I think more than you do at 6,300. It's kind of somewhat of a hard sell. Cause I think I'd take Mingo there, but I do think he's going to be low rostered in this, in this slate in general as well. So yeah. interesting, a really interesting play. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. Um, anybody else on the, on the real cheap end? I mean, we already hit on Billingsley. Um, we can get out of here, but you want to highlight anybody else down the list? I feel like I'm a, a glutton glut for punishment at this point, taking Marvin Mims at four, four point eight K. Oh, so he just has not been this alpha that we expected, but Kansas state's passing defense hasn't been very good. And they're going to get better get back on track this week. I think Mims leaves the charge. He's cheaper than Mario Williams. He's cheaper than Jadon Hazelwood. I mean, it's wild. I, I, I just, I don't understand. 4.8 is a really nice value for a guy who was the undisputed alpha as a true freshman. I like Mims and I, that's going against all the data that I have. I'm just saying, I just think he's the best wide receiver in that roster. And then secondarily, I think you can play Darius Davis or Tay Barber. Darius Davis is 4K for TCU. Tay Barber, 4.8K. I highlighted Davis last week, and he was he was pretty good. He recorded five targets, second on team in routes run. I think Quentin Johnson is in play this week. I'm not itching to play him, but I think you can. Tay Barber had a good role last year. He finally broke out this week. I think I prefer Davis at 4K, so he's an interesting way to get different in that Texas 
TCU game. So I, I, I like Darius Davis. I think Tay Barber is also in play. Yeah. And uh, just another touch on Mingo. Um, you know, I, I don't think I realize he's been like way more productive than I realized. I mean, back-to-back games with six for 136, seven for 99 and two touchdowns. Like, Oh, absolutely. He said 28 points back-to-back weeks. And in this game, you think he'll be super popular, you know, versus Drummond? Yep. <laughs> I, do, I do. But might not be a way to get too different, I guess. Yeah. I think you could also pay up for Drummond and just be like, hey, I'm going to play the guy who I think is the, who's averaging 26% target share on the best offense in the country. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you can afford it, I like Mingo a lot this week. I think 6,100 is a great price point to save money. Just know you're eating the chalk. Sure. So I was messing around as we were talking, uh, and we usually don't do this, but I think this is just a really interesting week. I was able to do Cunningham and Corral, our guy Jabari Small, Harry Parrish, uh, Henry Parrish, Zach Evans in the flex, Billingsley, Mingo, and then you still have 5,500 left over for your final receiver, and you can choose from guys like Whittington, Mike Meyer from uh, Notre Dame, uh, Jermaine Burton. These are good players, not necessarily great DFS plays, but Roberson is actually right there available. You have $300 left over. Um, that's an interesting lineup that I don't hate, even paying up for two of the big-time quarterbacks. So I think it can be done. You're going to have to forego you know, your Bijan and, and some, some things like that, but... Certainly, that's an interesting lineup. Um, just kind of a sample there. You can do it without being gross, actually, even if you pay up for the QBs. Yeah, I, I really like that lineup. And you don't have to spend the the max salary each week. In fact, a lot of the tournament league lineups don't. Right. So don't feel like you have to get up there if you don't Within have reason. to. I mean, yeah, but like 500 or less on the table, is it makes you different. Exactly. Robert Roberson at 52 over some of the options that you mentioned at 55. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to say that you'd rather have those guys and spend the 300 than Roberson and not have the 300. Just leave it on the table. I mean, Roberson is absolutely like a triple touchdown guy. I mean, like it would not shock me if Roberson has three touchdowns. I mean, he did it last year, either in the bowl game or at the end of the year last year. I know, um, he is the alpha, even though A.T. Perry's had some nice games recently. But Roberson's going to come in with like a three-touchdown game at some point. I think he's a really fun tournament play. Very cheap. Yep. Good, good game to get exposure to as well. So, all right. Well, uh, you know, that's our slate. We can't really seem to get it under an hour, but this week there was a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about every week. We'll be doing it every single week. Tune in on Saturday morning for our live show. We will give you updates. We will tell you what has changed since we recorded this. Um, and injury updates. Last week, we got we were, we were literally talking about Taj Brooks when a tweet came through that Taj Brooks was inactive. And so we, you know, we're giving you real-time updates as they come through, making changes on the fly. And we also touch on the night slate, which is, uh, which is nice. If you lose all your money in the day slate, you know, play the night slate. So... Um, yeah, we got a lot of stuff. Chris, you have an article both for the slate preview coming tomorrow, kind of accompanying this podcast and this YouTube video. You also have picks and props that will come out either later tomorrow or Friday morning. Um, and then our colleague will, will have a short slate preview for Saturday or for Friday nights 
uh, short slate, and then he'll have picks and props as well. So we got a lot coming out. Good luck, Chris. I hope you have a great week. You've been doing it. You've been doing better than me lately. Yeah, let's let's keep the uh, let's keep cashing. Is the bottom line. Let's keep cashing, and then one of these weeks, I think we're gonna we're gonna hit it big. I, I feel really good about our process. So keep grinding with us. All right, let's do it, and we'll see you guys later.